It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Time for some real talk. A. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> God bless, God bless. Joseph Brownlee here with another episode of Body of Christ Real Talk. Body of Christ Real Real talk. What's the real talk going to be about today? Before I get into that, uh, that topic, I want to say hello to all my listeners. I'd like to let you know I have not forgot about you. I really love you all and I appreciate you all for downloading my show. God bless you all. So let's give you all a 14 second virtual praise and thank you. Double applause, double applause. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. They're worth it. More mellow, but that's cool. That's cool. All right? Let's take a picture. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Welcome to Body of Christ. Real talk. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What? does it mean to forgive how do you feel when you forgive someone how do you feel when someone forgives you let me talk about my experience when I forgive someone it seems like a weight is left off of me when I forgive someone I don't have to go into details but when I forgive someone It feels like a weight off me. Now, there's a few ways to forgive. You can forgive verbally, or you can just forgive someone without telling you forgiving them. You understand what I'm saying? There's not really a law to that, but it just seems better when you verbally uh, forgive someone, tell them that you forgive them. But it doesn't take take away... Uh, before I get started, I'm in the library and you hear all that noise. This is the loudest study room that I have been in. You might say, how come you always go in there, Joe? Because these, only the, these are the only alternatives that I have for now. But this study room, and I like the downtown uh, study room better because it's more in the upstairs and it's more surrounded by walls. And it's very tight and quiet like a studio room. This is the worst. It looks better. It's more bigger. But it has windows and it's right by the streets and you hear every sound. So this is not a good area for a study room. 
because you hear just about everything. The walls are thin, so someone is in another wall. It's more like a conference room that it's not here to seclude a lot of sound. So maybe they made it that way, but it's not the best. But this is what we got to deal with what we got with, as long as you can hear me pretty clear. Okay, there are several ways to forgive someone or be, for, you know, to forgive someone, verbally or non-verbally. Now, the non-verbally is when you just forgive someone, but you don't really tell them, but it shows in your action. Or you forgave someone and you never see them again. You just forgave them and you wasn't able to tell them that. So the important thing is that you forgave them because God knows your heart. You forgave them. You don't have to necessarily and search them down and tell them that you forgave them. And if you do do that, you know, that's it's the I, that's the better way to do it, you know, because it, it, it the feel the person feels more relieved that you did forgive them because you said that you told them. So that's the best way to do it. The other way is when you don't show, I mean, you don't say it, but you show it in your actions that you forgive them, okay? So, you know, some persons can catch it, some people catch it from there, and they just assume that you already forgave them. But they're not, they will be more, it would be more of a confirmation with them if you verb verbally say you forgave them, do you agree or do you disagree? But anyway, the point thing is forgiving someone. Now, being forgiven is the same way. You would like, I would like someone just say, I forgive you, you know, I, I forgive you for what you've done or what you said or whatever like that, and blah, 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 and stuff like that. It's good for me to hear that. But if I never hear it, you can show it with your actions. I will not be 100%, it will not be 100% confirmed to me if you don't say it, but I feel that you over, it's, you, you, you're over it. But it's nothing like verbally saying that, Joseph, I forgive you. Joseph, I forgive you. See, et cetera, and stuff like that, you know. So those are different uh, ways of approaching uh, that I know of being forgiven and forgiven and stuff like that. Now, remember I talked about in my last show. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're not guilty. Let me say that again. Being forgiven, and you know, does not mean that you are not guilty of what you have done. That's very important to know and to understand. Being forgiven does not mean that you are not guilty for what you have done. You understand what I'm saying? It does not mean that. So I want you to just... Think about that. Concentrate on that. You know, just just turn on those little thinking, whatever you call it, <laughs> and think about that. See, how many times have you have forgiven somebody, and even though you forgave them, that's, they still guilty. No matter what it was, they still guilty. You just forgave them for what they have done. Now, also, forgiveness doesn't make that majority of the time it does not make a person change the way they are. They still cut up. They still do whatever, whatever, you know, whatever level of things they are doing. It does not change them for the, from the person that they are. See, if that's the case, a lot of people, when they got acquitted 
and courts. They were still the same person. Some changed, most didn't. But the majority of the people that was acquitted were still the same person. And, and the majority of the people that was forgiven by family members for whatever happened in their life, well, I'm talking about court-wise now, and the law, was forgiven by the parents, but that did not make that person not guilty. You, I'm going somewhere. You'll see where I'm going. It does not make that person not guilty, but they are forgiven from that family. See, that's why a lot of times a person gets out and they do the same thing. They still rob stores. They still might rape someone. They still might kill someone. They still might do this, still might do that because that nature is still in them even though that person or that system or that family forgave them. They are still caught up in their mess. You understand what I'm saying? So forgiveness doesn't necessarily change a person the majority of time. Forgiveness doesn't make a person uh, delivered from their struggles for what they've done or the way they hurt you. The action still occurred. See, they are still guilty. You see what I'm saying? Forgiveness is limit. It has a limit. It's limited. Forgiveness is limited. It doesn't change you. It doesn't deliver you. It doesn't make you right. You could be forgiven in a bank. Debt wiped away. You could be forgiven. You see what I'm saying? But at the same time, that don't mean you are, you are, you now you can go and open up another account in that bank. No, you just have been forgiven. It's adios, amigo. We've forgiven you. It's all wiped up, but you can't open up another account in this bank because now you have bad credit. You have bad this and then everything like that. Wop, wop, wop. You have been forgiven. You know, far as debt, your debt has been wiped out. But you're still that same person. You're going to wind up getting back in debt or whatever like that. Most people do. You have, you have exceptions, but most people wind up getting back in the same situation that they were. You understand what I'm saying? So forgiveness just cleans the slate far as what you have done to someone, but it does not make you not guilty, see, of what you have done. The action-wise of what you have done when it comes to forgiveness. Okay. All right. When God, Jesus, was crucified on the cross and he died that terrible death in the hands of the Romans physically but even worse in the hands of the Jewish people spiritually even though they didn't do it physically they was just or even more guilty of it okay because they conjured it up they the one pushed it to happen that terrible thing that happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus on it where he wasn't Lord and Savior then he was Israel's King and Messiah very important to understand that when he was crucified on the cross he wasn't uh 
you know, he was the king and the Messiah of Jews, not so much Lord and Savior. Okay. As the emphasis on Lord and Savior is more, you got to put that as the Savior of the world. Now, because he's the Savior of the world does not mean the whole world is saved. It means they have an opportunity to be saved. See, you, you, you see what I'm saying? When you hear the term Jesus is the Savior of the world, it's not saying Jesus saved, S-A-V-E-D, he saved the world. He's the Savior, mean it's an opportunity for the world to be saved now. Now, if he said Christ Jesus saved the world, that would be universally, that would be saying like the universally, the whole world is saved. But no, he's the Savior of the world. You have a chance to be saved because what happened about what the deal with your forgiveness. It's not that Christ saved the world. He's the savior of the world. Words are very important. Especially when you read the King James Bible. Words are very important because if you have a translation that said Jesus, Jesus saved the world, many people, even universalists, I believe, would take that literally as Jesus saved everybody and everybody's going to heaven. If you use the S-A-V-E-D term of saved. But if you say he's the savior of the world, that means you have an opportunity to be saved and everybody in the world is not saved. There's a belief system to, uh, for you to be able to be saved. You understand what I'm saying about that? Okay, all right. I know you get tired of me saying, you understand, you understand. Yeah, I'm getting tired of me saying that myself. <laughs> but I just want to make sure my listeners can follow uh, what I'm trying to, you know, elaborate in those uh, things when I'm talking about stuff like this. So forgiveness. Now, I hope you have some type of idea about forgiveness. About time I get through with this series, if you don't, and the scriptures I'm going to read you, read, read to you to tell you the two differences between forgiveness under the law, kingdom program, compared to under grace. If you don't get it then, it's because you don't want to. You do not want to. <laughs> That's period. You do not want to. Because it's right there. So let's read a few uh, more Old Testament, Old Covenant atonement, the way to be forgiven. So you can continue to get this in your mind so you can get in your heart. What was the requirements for forgiveness in the past? And people were still getting judged, Jews-wise, for their sins. You see what I'm saying? And the Gentiles, of course, but the Gentiles wasn't under the law. You know, they were still getting accused of their sins, and you still can go to hell, and you can and you can go to hell with your sins in the law, under the law, which you cannot do today. And I'm gonna tell you why. Let's go to. Uh, Leviticus 4. Did I read this on the last show? I don't remember. Let's go to Leviticus 4 and 20. And it reads like this. These, I'm just going to read these verses. And please write them down. All these verses, I hope you got your, your notebook, your pen, and your Bible, preferably the King James. Please write these down. Okay. Leviticus 4.20. This is pre-Paul. I like that. I'm going to call it. This is pre-grace. All this is before 
grace and and these are the requirements that the that Israel the Jews have Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky in line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Had to do. Not them personally themselves. They had to present this to the priest and everything. And the priest took care of the, the Levitical priest. That's why this book is called Leviticus. It's about the Levitical priest. Not all Israel. It was the Levitical priest that performed all these you know, atonements, okay? You need to understand that it wasn't individual Jews because they could not go in the Holy of Holies. Only the the ones that was called and called priests, Levitical priests, was the ones that done that, you know, including the high priest Aaron, okay? All right. Leviticus 4 and 20 reads, and he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock, I guess that means a bull, for a sin offering. Remember the word sin offering, because I'm going to go back to that. So shall he do with this and the priest shall make an, an atonement, write down atonement, write down sin offering. I'm literally, I mean this, please. It's the only way you're going to learn. Write down sin offering if you're listening and write down atonement. This is Bible study, real Bible study now that a lot of times you won't get this in your church building. All right. For them, it shall be forgiven them. Write down the word forgiven. Now, just in Leviticus 4 and 20, it's three key words that you need to look at. Okay? And what are the key words? Offering, atonement, and forgiven. Write down those three words. Offering, atonement, and forgiven. And I'm going to get back to that, you know, before I get through this show today. And you're going to learn something. Offering, atonement, and forgiven. Now, let me read this again. And then words, since you put it in your head, it should stand out. And he shall do with the bullet as he did with the bullet for a sin offering. So shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them. And it shall be forgiven them. So if you look at that order, what had to happen first? The animal, the bullock. Okay? Now remember the animal, excuse me, this animal, this bullock. They use different animals. They just say this bullock. I'm assuming this is a bull, okay? I'm gonna have to look that up. This bullock was the sacrifice. This bullock was the sacrifice for what? For a sin offering. That was a requirement for God. This bullet, 
in this passage here was the sacrifice, the bullock, the animal for what type of offering? For a sin offering. So shall he do with this and the priest, remember I said the priest does this, shall make an atonement. Remember atonement. This is atonement and offering for them. Who is them? Whoever was in the sin or whoever done the sin or themselves. And it shall be for giving them. In other words, sacrifice the bull. That's your sin offering. That's your atonement. And once you do that the correct way, your sins are instantly forgiven. This is under the law. Okay? That was the requirements. Keep that in mind. Write this down and keep that in mind. Let's go to uh, verse 26. Reading again. And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. Word sacrifice. If you can, write that down. Sacrifice of peace offerings. Offerings, write that down. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin and what? It shall be forgiven him. Now, what's happening after those sacrifices? Instant forgiveness. It shall, you shall be forgiven. Instant forgiveness. Okay, you're covered for that time. So let's go to uh, 30. Same thing. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering. There's the word again. Bullet point word. Keyword offering. And shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And let's go to 31. Just for context wise. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace Offering. This is a peace offering, okay? And the pre priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savior unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be what? Forgiven him. Okay, now this look how precise God expects for these Levites to do. And he shall take away all the fat first thereof, as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice, whatever the sacrifice is, of the peace offerings. And the priest, not the people, but the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savior unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You see the precise way it had to be done for the forgiveness of sins. You see that. Okay. Let's go. I'll read a few more. Let's go to Leviticus 10 and 3. Leviticus 10 and 3. I hope you're writing this stuff down. Because I'm going to give you a test on it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't get nervous. But I hope you're writing it down. It's for your sake. Not mine. It's for yours. Okay. Let's go to Leviticus and three. Time out? No, not time out yet. I don't know why uh, that happened. It's not time out yet. That must be Satan. Satan pushed that bell. <laughs> no, it's not time out. No, that was an error on my part. You know, my sound effects, but the enemy done that. All right. Leviticus 10 and 3. It reads, Then Moses said it to Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me, and before all the people I will be glorified, and Aaron 
held his peace. Let's read this again. All right. <clears throat> then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spoke, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now, what was going on before that? Let's just read the whole thing, because it's not coming to what I'm trying to go. And Nadab, verse 1, and Nadab and Abuhu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Okay, let me get close to my speaker now. Them not. Verse 2, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Okay? <clears throat> okay, let's go to 24 before that, because context is very important. I don't like to leave myself in confusion, because you sometimes you have to read the above verses to get the understand before you go into another chapter that's very important in Bible reading. All right, so let's go to 21. And the beast of the right shoulder Aaron weighed for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded. 22. And remember, this is Leviticus, uh, well, what is this? Leviticus 10. No, 9. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offerings and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Look at these three, three different offerings. You have a sin offering, you have a burnt offering, and you have peace offerings. All of these offerings under the law. Verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Why did it appear to all the people? When did it happen? Happen after the offerings. The sin offerings, the burnt offerings, and the peace offerings. And then, according to the word of God, the Lord came down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Okay. Ooh, I know that was scary. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar and burnt offering and fat, which when all the people saw, saw they shouted and fell on their faces. Can you imagine this miraculous scene after these offerings? By Moses and the priests, after these offerings, where God came down pouring, which He don't do those things today. See, signs, wonders, and miracles. I taught them that the other day. Just imagine. Well, I can't. I can't even comprehend. I cannot even fathom that. The people was in awe. The Bible says the Israel shouted and fell on their faces when they seen that. Now let's go to chapter ten. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire. Listen to the word strange fire because this verse is going somewhere. And offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. See, this is, this is let me continue reading now, okay? And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. You see this. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein. In other words, remember I kept saying God is precise. Back then you had to do it precisely the way he said do it. You could not take the dot off the eye and you could not take the cross 
line off the tee. You need to turn, you know, die every eye across every tee. You had to do that. The priest had to do that under the law for offerings and all that. Since Nadab and Abihu messed up, they did not do it the exact way. Let's read this again. And the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. They came with the wrong way of offering. They bring they, they offered a different way that God did not command them to do. So since they done it that way and they disobeyed the requirements that they supposed to do of bringing certain offerings, there went out fire, verse 2 in uh, Leviticus 10, there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Now let's go to verse 3. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spoke, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Aaron had nothing to say after that. He understood the holiness, and it was justified the way I'm saying this that God done what he done. See? There was a certain requirement and a format. You couldn't come to the altar any type of way. That's why they used the Levite priests when you bring these burnt offerings, these sin offerings, and these peace offerings. There was many several offerings under the law program. Okay? Let's read some more. Wow, this is deep stuff, y'all. I hope you're getting some. Let's go to Numbers 15. Numbers 15. 15. I'll be hitting a lot of scriptures, so please write these down. Numbers 15. All right. This is Bible study on body of Christ real talk, which I don't do a lot of, but I'm going to do more because I might, I believe I have a lot of believers that's listening to this show as well. You know, so this is, if you are not a believer, you still can get something out of this. This is, uh, Physically, anyway, not so much spiritually, but you will get an understanding because it's pretty, some of it's pretty simple when, once you learn it. Leviticus 15 and 25. It reads, and the priest shall make an atonement, you know, atonement, keyword, bullet point word, point words, for all the congregation of the children of Israel. Israel, remember, this is Israel, and it shall be forgiven them. Let's read this again, beginning verse 25. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of sacrifice, for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it is ignorance, and they shall bring their offering. A, sac a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. Here's another ignorance offering. And I never heard too much about an ignorance offering, but this is one of the offerings under the law, see, the 613 laws that was required by Israel that they could not impossibly, they could not fulfill, it, fulfill, see. This is the priest had to do this, make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them. You see, let's, let's read a few more then I'm going to go to something else. In other words, all these offerings that I read, it's all under the law, correct? Okay. 
Okay, I'm getting far away. All these offerings that I just read in Leviticus and Numbers. Verses again, Leviticus 4, 20, 26, and 30. Just in case you want to write it down, Leviticus 10 and 3. Also, Leviticus 6 and, 6 and 7, which I did not read, but write these down. Leviticus 19 and 22. That's another verse that you can write down for sin offerings and stuff like this. Numbers 15, 25, and 28. You can write those down. Exodus 34 and 7. Write those down. Numbers 14 and 18. Write those down. Either way it goes, when you read, and I hope you do, you read those verses, you have to understand and you must notice that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, even though they was forgiven, that didn't mean they was not guilty. You see what I'm saying? Every forgiveness of sin does not say that you are guilty. Forgiveness of sins does not equals not guilty. You understand what I'm saying? It's the, it, was, it was like that back then. All right. Now, why? this is the reason I went that way. I want you to understand forgiveness. And once you understand how the Bible and what God and the way God used forgiveness, that's why I say it was two programs of forgiveness. Same format, same type of sacrifice, same format, atonement, and forgiveness. See, God never changes. He might have a certain format, but he never changes. So when it comes to forgiveness in the Bible, not man-made forgiveness, but forgiveness in the Bible, which is the way we should read the Bible, it, it always had to be an atonement first. It, had, it always had to be a sacrifice, an offering. And the forgiveness was what? They, the people or the children or even the priests, their sins was forgiven instantly. See, their present sins, not the ones in the future, but their present sins at that time was forgiven. See. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you must believe. For the remission of sins. Remission means for your present sins. And then you shall be saved. You shall be sealed with the you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. See? That's why Israel's as a nation, their sins of being all being forgiven are future. 
under the kingdom program. Their sins are forgiven for future. The body of Christ happened at the finished cross, at the finish of the cross, instantly. Not the body of Christ, I'm sorry, but the world. But the world sins. Israel's sins will be all taken care of in the future. The world's sins and individual people of the Jews, not nation, not nation, nationality Israel, national Israel, but individually, any Jew has to come the same way under the body of Christ the church today. Because there's no law, there's no nothing, there's no sacrifices for sin of none of that. Because Jesus was the atonement for the whole world. Just like they done it back then, when Jesus died, he was the ultimate sacrifice for the whole world. Not just for the saved, for the whole world, see. Because back then, their sacrifices was, wasn't so much for their salvation. Because they could lose their salvation if they didn't do their sacrifices. So their sacrifices was based on being forgiven. See, because they can sin again and they have to t uh, take it to the priest or whatever like that. Today, those requirements, there's no requirements for a, a, a person to be forgiven of sins because sins already have been forgiven through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just his death but his resurrection sins are forgiven for the world okay I hope you getting it now now this got a lot to do with spiritual obesity because a lot of this is taught and not what I'm teaching but when it comes to forgiveness there's a traditional teaching and predominantly all the denominational churches and even some sects E-S-E-C-T, but let's just talk about church buildings, including the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. It's a conditional salvation. You must repent of your sins. You must try to follow the Ten Commandments. You must be holy, like a lot of great comfort and all of them say you must be holy. I remember this... Uh, this video that Trey Searcy was showing. And you ever heard of the, the show Way of the Master? Where well, it used to be Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort. They're Calvinist believers, Lordship Salvation believers. And they had a show called Way of the Master when I that that I used to watch before I, I understood rightly dividing. It's called Way of the Master. Uh, Kirk Cameron used to be on there and Ray Comfort. And they go out in the streets and they talk to the unsaved. See? And they talk to the unsaved about, have you ever done this? Have you ever lied? And if, if you lie, now this is not a Bible approach. This is not even the gospel. <laughs> Paul don't never approach no one that way. It's a certain approach when it even comes to the gospel, but they, they are already in error because this is not the gospel. I didn't even know better than. But they were asked, an unsaved person, have you ever lied? Of course, an unsaved person. Believers lie. <laughs> have you ever stole something? And a person will have this bombarded look on their face. Yeah. And then 
Mary Comfort will even try to put words in that mouth say what that makes you. And they said, a liar. Is that true? Maybe I'm throwing it out there because you have lied. It makes you a liar. Okay? You have stole, even if you just stole one thing in your life that makes you a thief. Does it really? Okay, according to Ray Comforter does. All right, have you ever done this? Have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever done, you know, different things they will ask the unsaved people in the streets uh, to make them feel guilty. I call this the, the double G, the guilt gospel. <laughs> the guilt gospel. What I mean by that is the guilt gospel when you keep people uh, sin conscious. You keep people focused on their sins. I call that the guilt gospel. <laughs> it's also kind of narcissistic because it makes you look like you're so holy when you uh, put people, you, ha you have people to focus on their sins and on their wrongdoing. And you cannot really generally win nobody to Christ that way. In other words, you will scare them and they wind up saying something that they don't really mean from their heart anyway because you just scare them. So you're trying to scare them to heaven by keeping them focused on their unperfect sin nature. And at the same time, it makes you look like you are perfect. You don't sin. And Ray Comfort, K. Comfort, John, uh, Kirk Cameron, uh, uh, John MacArthur, uh, 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 Piper, and all those type of Calvinist type of teachers, they sin also as well. But uh, when they when they talk, you would think they don't. You got the Geno Genies, Geno Jennings, the oneness teacher. You would not think this man never sinned. He's so busy condemning the world. See, he's so busy condemning the world and keeping the world in a sin conscious. The world just being the world, man. Now, I can understand your debates with other so-called Christians because a lot of times they're not believers anyway. But you own your so-called, your, your, your son, I'm talking about Geno Jennings, and I'm saying his name, calling him out. You own your throne and you're condemning people that's the world because they're living like the world. Now, I'm not talking about the ones in church because most people in church is not saved. So they're just living like the world lives anyway. So you on your pedestal, you on your throne, preaching this double G, gospel of guilt, the double G, the gospel of guilt to an unsaved world or unsaved audience that goes to a church that's doing what they naturally do anyway. Therefore, you make yourself look perfect like you never do nothing. That's why the, the women dress like they do because every uh, the majority of what you teach is always about sin. The way you dress, how much makeup you put up. It's mostly always predominantly bad on the women. That's why the women, they might be in their 20s, but they look like they're in their 60s or 70s in that church. Men sit on one side, women sit on the other side. It's almost like the Nation of Islam church. Okay, all right. Let me get off that. I had to go there though because a lot of people listen to Geno Jennings, and uh, <clears throat> I knew about Jennings in a 
late 80s and 90s, man. He sounded like he was 80 years old then. Man, Gino, Gino's about the same age, 59. He might be a few months older than me, but both of us is 59 years old. And even then, I didn't listen to him because I thought he was just too condom. Before I learned how to rightly divide, and he hit a lot of scriptures. I knew he knew a lot of scriptures, but it was a lot of condemnation scriptures. It was a lot of law scriptures. That's not applied to no one today. Not even the unsaved. But that's how it makes him seem like he's so holy. He preaches a lot of condemnation uh, scriptures. And he hits some of Paul's scriptures, but he mixes it up like a lot of churches do today. See? Uh, he don't believe in the triune. He don't believe in the Godhead or the Trinity. They call them monotheism or uh, oneness churches and stuff like that. You know, he's dogmatic about that and other things. But so is a lot of uh, oneness churches. And he's stuck on what he believes. So he would never. I hate to say that, but I don't believe G, uh, Gino, unless the Holy Spirit really touches heart, will never accept a rightly divided dispensational view of the word of God because of your traditional upbringing. He didn't come out being that way. He was taught. He added more to it, but he was taught. See, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? But back to Ray Comfort. I call them the old-fashioned hell and damnation type of preachers because they keep you on that double G, the gospel of guilt, or the G-O-G, the gospel of guilt. That's the type of preaching that they do. They keep you focused on your sin. See, the saved and the unsaved. They keep you focused on your sin. So the... Uh, if a person is saved, they always feel that they got to keep confessing their sins and, you know, and keep uh, repenting of their sins, which is repenting on means repenting of sins anyway. But that's traditionally the way they was taught. And they keep going up to the altar. I know that because I done it, too. I done that, too. You see what I'm saying? I done that, too. And they will use some of these verses and scriptures, even though, wow, even though they know no one is under the law, they will still go back to those, some of these verses and stuff like that. Or they'll go to Acts 2 and 38, you know, the Peter gospel or not the Peter gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom or even John the Baptist and Jesus earthly ministry and stuff like that. And they will go to town on keeping a person sin conscious with the gospel of guilt see that's not the gospel for today that's not the gospel for today that's why I say it's, it, it bothers me when a person don't want to see it now I'm not going to say can I see it but they don't want to they don't want to because of traditional denominational upbringing and belief. They don't want to. It's not a matter if they don't see it. They can. You can believe something but still won't accept it. Let me say this again. You can believe in something but just don't accept it. You don't want no part of it. So if you don't accept it, that means you're not accepting God's word. Gino Jenny said he follows all God's word. That's a big lie. Nobody does. No, you don't. 
I can look at you and just already see that. You can look at me. Nobody follows all God's word, especially denominationalism. Don't follow the whole Bible. See, I don't call I don't care if you call it the Bible or the Word of God. If you sit up there and say you follow the whole Bible, you just sin right there you, because you just lied. Thank God he's not judging you for your sin. But you still sin. You can commit sin, but it's still not in God's eyes because God is not charging you for it. See, all this false teaching and uh, bad spiritual carbohydrates that make the church obese today. If God was judging and we were still under the law and God was still judging people for their sins and the church, we will be wiped out today because all this false teaching and lying and fornication and sin and stuff going on now. How could you not know that God is not judging for sin? He done it big time in time past with nations. Why all that is not happening now? You can say, oh, that's why those things happen now. Because, you know, God is not judging. You know, every country is guilty of sin. I don't care how decent you think your country is. Every country is guilty in the eyes of God. Every, all men and women and countries and everything are guilty in the eyes of God, period. So God wouldn't pick certain ones he'll just knock you out of the box like a domino you see what I'm saying so when you sin focused you become the judge you become God because you keep people sin focused when you tell a person he needs to be holy that's not the teaching of the Paul Apostle Paul yes God said be ye holy because I am holy he was talking to Israel See, that was under that law. That was a requirement under the covenant. We are not priests. See, that was required for Israel, mainly the Levitical priest. You understand what I'm saying? The church is not the temple. The church is just a building. The temple is a temple. The church is not the tabernacle. Your pastor is not your priest. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to bother a lot of people, but this is the way it is. This is the Bible. See, you be you and let the Bible be the Bible. Let the word of God be the word of God. You be you. See? Okay. I hope you got something out of this. And I spent a lot of time. And I'm going to want you to think about something even though all sins are forgiven you are still dead spiritually in Christ out of Christ until you believe and you receive what was done for us you will be saved now not you don't have to believe that your sins have been forgiven. That don't make no difference. That's that's just that's a done deal. It's just like if I forgive you, you don't have to accept it. It's not about your acceptance. It's about what I have done. See, I forgive you 
You know, the worldly way, they do it like this. I forgive you. And the minute people say, no, no, I don't need you to forgive me or nothing like that. Forget that. Well, some people say, well, I take that back. I don't forgive you. Forgive that. See, they make up a traditional worldly way of forgiving. That's not the Bible forgiveness. See, we give and we take away. That's the world way. We give forgiveness and we quick, we take it away. I forgive. I forgave that jerk. Now, I don't forgive him no more. You didn't truly forgive him anyway. Or her anyway. If you could take it away like that. See, God forgives and forget. Man can't do it. See? And God does not require us to forgive and forget. Our human nature doesn't want that, doesn't allow that. But we still, it's still good to forgive. Not on the basis of being forgiven. See, that was under the law. They had to forgive first before they could be forgiven. Under grace, you could forgive. But there's no atone, there's no merit to that. But it's a good thing to do. We don't have to forgive today to be forgiven. See? Let me say this again, church. We do not have to forgive no one today just to be forgiven. That's why I made those two examples of forgiveness. But it's good to forgive because we are saved. We should forgive. You see the difference? We don't have to forgive to be forgiven to keep our salvation we forgive because we are saved you see it's not no commandment but it's good to do it helps you grow in the fruits when you're in the body of Christ you, you see the difference the two programs I want you to focus on these two programs okay focus on these two programs alright that's important about understanding and learning forgiveness alright so, in a nutshell, God is not forgiving sins today. Say what? No, God is not forgiving sins today. Why should he? He already done that over a couple of thousand years ago. See, this is stuff I know a lot of you never heard before. But this is the Bible. Let me just read a few scriptures. Number on the go. Now, this is Paul's gospel. And there's many other scriptures I could read to you, but this will be wrong. This is Paul's gospel. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Ooh, I like to hear the sound of that Bible when I turn it. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. And I'm going on 17 on purpose. Now, Write this down, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, then I'm going to go further along and try to bring it to a conclusion uh, with spiritual obesity. As, and then I'm getting to the gospel. What is the gospel for today? So forgiveness and the gospel, how to be saved, is those that are coming up. That's the most important, the gospel. And then forgiveness. See, the gospel of salvation and then forgiveness. Why do I put it in that order? Because you've already been forgiven. And you just, I'm, I'm teaching you this so you can know that. The gospel is something you do have to do by believing. So that's why I leave the gospel somewhat last. The gospel of your salvation. The forgiveness is the number two because you need to understand that you have been forgiven. Then uh, before that you have to understand that you are a sinner and you needed to be forgiven. See, if you don't believe those things, 
you're not going to really just sincerely accept what Jesus done for you, even though it doesn't matter. You have been forgiven and you are a sinner anyway. A goal. It doesn't have nothing to do with your belief whether you accept it or not. You have still have been forgiven, and you still are a sinner. You still will sin. The problem is that you are not saved. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter what you believe and what you don't accept. It is a done deal when it comes to forgiveness. See, you, you understand what I'm saying? Just like when Adam, listen to this closely, when Adam, the fall of man, what happened when Adam sinned? I know Eve did too, but what happened when Adam sinned? Because it was it was God brought it to him what to do. He brought sin to the whole world, right? And many people believe that even though they might not accept it or they might think it's wrong, but that's another teaching. Adam, uh, when he sinned, he birthed sin. He birthed sin and cursed the whole world, past, present, and future. He cursed the whole world by his one act. The whole human race was cursed by Adam with sin, which brought death. Correct? The whole world. By this one person's disobedience. And this is in the Bible now, in the book of Romans. Now look at the flip side. When Jesus died and rose again, listen closely. Just like Adam's uh, disobedience brought sin into the world. Christ's obedience took away all sins. So if you believe Adam is the father that brought sins to the rest of the human race, why come it so hard to believe Christ, his resurrection, brought forgiveness to the human race? Both of them are one person. How could you believe one act and not believe the other one, which is your Lord and Savior? Okay? Think about that. Think about that. That's something to think about. You know. Let's go to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Reading. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's where new creature comes from. Not born again. Very important. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, we, it's nothing wrong with this, but in the past, I used to read this and just thinking, thinking about it. Okay, since I got saved, I'm a new creature now, since, which is true. All my bad habits and all my sins are passed away now and everything like that. See, that's the way I looked at it. See, old things, the way I used to act, what I used to do, what I used to hang around, things like that. I used to look at this as an individual thing for me and many other people did and believers too but let me break this down therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new now this verse is like not so much of an individual it's a national it's a worldly view 
if you are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18, the Bible interprets itself. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's go to verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the us he's talking about, the Bible that Paul is talking about right here. Remember, I talked about us. Well, I've done it. Well, the us, let me explain the us. The us is the church. The us is the body of Christ, not the, not the world. See? Leaving the context, therefore, if any man be in Christ, these are the ones that's in Christ, which is the church, the body of Christ, or, or, uh, uh, the body of Christ, right? Okay, you know that he is a new creature. Now, the new creature is what? The body of Christ, not the world. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The body of Christ. 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Now, how come God reconciled us? This us is the body of Christ because what Jesus done. See, what Jesus done. God Reconciled himself to us. Now we reconcile ourselves to him, but he reconciled himself to us. Okay? To himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. 19. To wit that God was in Christ. Listen to this past tense. Very important past tense. To wit that God, verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5 19, the verse I want you to, the, uh, to hit. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world, not believers, not just the saved, but reconciling the world, past tense, unto himself, not imputing their trespasses. Who is there? The world. Not imputing. Imputing means not charging or not counting against. The world. There are trespasses. What is trespasses? Trespasses. Anything you trespass against God is sin. Trespasses means sin or sins. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting or charging their sins unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, what do that mean? That means this is what the believer is supposed to be preaching. This is the format of a gospel after you are saved. This is the way we're supposed to go out to people in the world to tell them about reconciliation. That's why the Bible called us in the next verse. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. The ministry for the church today is not the Great Commission. It's that we are ambassadors and we supposed to go out there, supposed to go out there and reconcile the world and tell them this good news that God is not counting their sins against them. Now they can be saved. Put in a nutshell. That's why that's why I am an ambassador. That's why any believer that's doing a contrary of this is not preaching the word of God. See, period. I'm going to finish off on that on the next show because I'm going to leave you hanging on that on purpose. See, this is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. 19, God was in Christ, was, was in Christ, past tense, in Christ, reconciling the world, world. 
write down world unto himself, not imputing, not charging, not counting the their trespasses or the world's trespasses against them. The King James says unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. To put this plainly, he called the believer to go out into the world as ambassadors and tell the unsaved this good news about God is not charging you with sins. Now you can be saved by believing what Jesus done according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 of 4, which is the gospel of salvation today. Without the forgiveness of sins, without the forgiveness of sins, without the forgiveness of sins, there's no doors to be open for salvation. The sin problem had to be tucked away first for anybody in the world to be saved. That's the finished work of Christ. God bless you. Love y'all. Until next time, peace out. Body of Christ, real talk. I will continue on this very controversial but very important concept. Forgiveness. Amen. God bless you. Bye-bye. Peace out.